Squire Radio, I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo, good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. How you doing today? You know, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Beautiful day and oh, yeah. enjoying some uh, some good company and talking pipes, talking uh, talking history, talking talking tobacco. Yeah, it's almost like we've packed a bowl, like maybe half a bowl of tobacco to talk about this history that we're about to do. I think so, yeah. It's, 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 like a, it's like a half bowl history. To talk about a legendary pipe dreamer in their own right. Right. Yeah, a legend of the leaf, if you will. <laughs> a hero to someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, and a villain to many more. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. A complex individual that really justifies the reason why we need to change a lot of things about this series. But regardless, man, it's going to be a fun episode. But before we get started, we got to talk first about the amazing people who make this show happen. And that is the members of the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club. Yeah. We got a new member joining at the Pilgrim level is Mijagree. 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 Mija. Uh, Gree of the Gree family, the long legacy of Grees that are out there. Mija has graciously joined our uh, our group at the Pilgrim level. And you know the great thing about mispronouncing some names is you have no idea how to pronounce them correctly. So it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it worked out great. Mija. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your support. Uh, and hey, if you'd like to help make this show happen, head over to patreon.com slash country squire radio. Oh, John David. I'm excited. Oh, John David. I mean, this is this is going to be fun. I'm I, I'm so excited. Okay, so you you get fired up about this. I and, do, and, and you should because it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's a time to really really exercise some of those muscles that loves you know history and lore and meta narrative and. Arr, arr. <laughs> that's, that's right there, John David. This this particular episode of Country Squire Radio might be rated R. Yeah. <laughs> With an A R R R R. Oh, right, yeah, right, right. Exactly. With Just maybe so, a G in there. Oh, yeah. The kids can listen. Right. It's fine. Uh, no, man. This is. Uh, <laughs> that would be grrr. <laughs> listen, man. I am so excited about this. You know, I, I one of the beauties of kind of reframing this series as a whole is it kind of folds yeah. in a couple of other series that came before. It's kind of the spiritual successor for a lot of different series and yeah. we've had in the past that all kind of come into this place. And one of my favorite long running series that we've done, although we don't do it very often, has been the Pirates and Pipe Tobacco series. Yeah. It's one that's been kind of peppered throughout. And, you know, the listeners of the show know I'm, I'm a fan of pirates. You I love are pirate yeah. history. I love pirate lore. And we have a lot of a lot of, you know, listeners that uh, that share that love with you. It's yeah. it's a it's a really fun space to be in because it, it just you get to kind of explore an era of history that you know it's one of those things you know you know like there's no there were villains on both sides you know what I mean oh, yeah. like there's there's all oh, yeah. of this just kind of it's just one of these uh, these series uh, that really kind of gets to explore a really fascinating uh, a point in time which is of course the golden age of piracy <laughs> and man we are doing so today through a particular character that I'm uh, a particular person of history that I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, because when you think of pirates, when the average person thinks of pirates in the modern context, a lot of times they have a vision of who this person is. Mm -hmm. And it's typically Johnny Depp. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I that was is about to say Johnny Depp. Exactly. Who, who's been on the news a lot recently. Well, yeah. That's, that's, but that, yeah. that's a different uh, podcast. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah. The point is, you think about the Pirates of the Caribbean, and you think about his right. you know, brilliant and, and creation of this character of Jack Sparrow. Mm -hmm. Now, Jack Sparrow is, and I'm sorry if I'm breaking this news to people, a, a fictional character. Right. He's, he's not a real pirate of history. And I remember growing up, you know, as you kind of like hear different, you know, people and things, you know, you, you learn that, that some of these characters, some of these icons are not real people, right? <laughs> so like, for example, um, Sherlock Holmes. I, right. There was a time when I wasn't sure whether or not Sherlock Holmes was a real person was a or not. historical person. Right, exactly. Human, yeah. In fact, because Sherlock is thrown around so much, it took me a long time, like an embarrassing long time to realize that was his name and not a title. Right. Because I thought that Sherlock had just been a title, right? Right. So Jack Sparrow is one of those characters that, you know, you might not realize, but this is not actually a, a real pirate. In fact, you know, it actually was kind of shocking to me to learn that, you know, the character of Blackbeard 
is a real pirate. That was actually somebody from history. And 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 it's such a ridiculous name that you're like, obviously, that's a Disney character. Right, exactly. And it's such there's so much iconic nature to them. In fact, Mm -hmm. that's what I love about pirates and that kind of era and these kind of individuals as a whole, is there's so much iconography and symbolism and stories and narrative that's all wrapped around the fact that the histories that exist to tell their stories always come with a pinch of sea salt. You yep. know what I mean? Like there's yep. there's a large amount of filling in the blanks. You know, uh, we've got kind of this- Bleeds uh, in and out of fiction and uh, reality. You exactly. Know? Like ethereal kind of thing. We yeah. have kind of this, this, this Bible, if you will, this kind of textbook of the general history of pirates that was kind of written and was kind of the standard through which we kind of understood who these pirates were. And a lot of that's kind of been not necessarily disproven, but kind of seen through a very specific lens. Yeah that kind of is really seeking to tell an exciting adventure story mm-hmm. utilizing some of these characters. But at the same time, there are specific historical points that we know to be factual because they're connected to arrests. They're connected to like, you know, yeah. people who documented are, uh, events. Exactly. History. Right. People who were kidnapped. Uh, of course, when, you know, uh, most pirates did meet an untimely demise. So those are all recorded. So we, right. we, we have this mixture of fact and fiction that comes together to like really study these kind of villains in one light, perhaps some kind of heroic elements in another light, but just very complex characters in yep. all of these pirates. Certainly interesting characters. Absolutely. Yeah. So then the question is, you know, and I, this is an, a long running question. And again, with this series, we're not always going to talk about pipe smokers, but there is kind of this question, were pirates pipe smokers? The answer is yes, definitely yes. We know this to be the case. And not only that, we also know they were big on tobacco. Tobacco was one of those products that yeah. was crossing the ocean. And that was, you were looking for sugar, you were looking for rum, and you were looking for tobacco as all of these main hauls. Gold rubies, silks, and otherwise, awesome. But <laughs> you're looking for tobacco, you're looking for sugar, and uh, and you're looking for rum. And so this was always the the kind of the, the, the coveted material amongst pirates. And on top of that, because we've had a lot of pirates explored in other media, um, we see various pirates from history at times being displayed with a pipe and at times being displayed without a pipe. It's a long setup here, but the reason I do that is because we're talking about an era that was filled with iconic people who drove their stories into like our lexicon of popular culture today. And one of those individuals is probably the most well-known of all the pirates out there, probably beyond Blackbeard. You know elements of him because he's partially the inspiration for Jack Sparrow. Whenever pirates are kind of being done, they typically go to this person, and that is Calico Jack. He's kind of a prototype, the ultimate encapsulation of, even though you might not know his name. Well, I would say he's the ultimate encapsulation of like our mindset of kind of the modern pirate. Right. Right. But when we take a look at history, we start to see him through a much more critical lens that I think is important. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the most successful millennial pirate of all time, John Rackham, a.k.a. Calico Jack. Millennial, m- millennial pirate? He was much more famous for the company he kept and for the fact that he knew how to make a statement as opposed to actually being good at anything. And let me be clear. <laughs> let me be clear. We're millennials, okay? We're not yeah, just... no, th- hey, this- pot, meat, kettle, right? <laughs> exactly. It's a game-recognized game. Exactly. This is exactly what I'm talking about. That's funny. And, and just to prove this point even further, John David, when you think in your head of a pirate flag, what is a pirate flag? Just describe it right Skull now. Skull and crossbones on it, a black banner. Cross cross uh, uh, swords, right? Or, yeah. Crossbones yeah, is poison, but, but yeah, swords is swords, pirate. Right. That is Calico Jack's flag. That he like like the, all of these different pirate captains had their own flags. That right? was his flag. That was his. Yeah, you're flag. saying like that? Wow. That so was like his Jolly Roger became synonymous and still is today as the the pirate, pirate flag. flag. Yes. Wow. And again, he was not a successful pirate, <laughs> <laughs> but he might have had the first pirate meme. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's actually might be a point to that. Uh, on top of that, too, oh, what a he also knew how to have a certain flair about him. Yeah. His name, Calico Jack was given to him because, of course, of his uh, propensity, propensity, propensity yeah. for enjoying fine Indian uh, calico in his uh, in his wardrobe. So he okay. would dress in this kind of like, you know, calico style. And so he got the nickname Calico Jack. So he had the get up. He was uh, he was flashy. You know, he had the had the logo and the image and, and, and had the name. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, all right. So you've got this, you know, kind of iconic looking person, the like literally the the creator, like unbeknownst to him of what we would all come to associate all pirates with under. pirates. Yeah. That's the thing. 
But again, the question was, he is a good good pirate. Well, we've kind of kind of spilled the beans on that one already. Yeah. No, he wasn't. And it's not just about. But did he live in his parents' basement? Maybe for some time. <laughs> you know what? So he was actually born in uh in England in eighteen or rather in sixteen eighty two. Okay. And we don't really know a whole lot about him. So it's very possible he might have lived in his father's basement. There's been a lot of like speculation as to who he was before he became a pirate, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is we just don't know much about him up until around his thirties when he starts really entering into the world of piracy. Now, this is unfortunate for Jack because He's coming into an era of piracy that's coming to a close. This is literally the end of of the golden age of pirates. Now, you could also argue it's also the height, right? It's the pinnacle. It's the zenith right before it's about to fall. So he's going to be able to enjoy this zenith moment, but he's also going to have to like ride the crash as well. Yeah. So yeah, again, born John Rackham originally, but given the name Calico Jack for all the reasons mentioned already, he was actually quite good at, you know, being something of a, of a pirate's pirate in the communicable kind of way. He was a politician amongst pirates, if you will, because he was able to rise to the ranks of quartermaster. Now, quartermaster on a pirate ship is like a second in command. Okay. You got the captain, but then you have the quartermaster. Right. Now, we've, we've mentioned this terminology before. Do you, do you kind of remember what a quartermaster is? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about the kind of the number two on a pirate ship. Yeah. But interestingly enough, while he's the number two in terms of command, right. he's probably the most like number one in terms of the most important position with the crew. He's elected by the crew. He's the representative of the crew to the captain. Oh. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and also kind of the go between between the captain and the crew. So if the captain is ticked off at something and the crew needs to know about it before he blows up at him, he goes to the quartermaster and be like, yeah, I'm about to kill all these guys if they don't get the, you know, get their stuff together. Wow. So it's it's almost in some sense like the like the the crew's favorite. Yes. I mean, or the, the crew's leader. They, they we want yeah. this guy to represent our interests to the captain. Interesting. So Jack Jack was in a really, you know, unique position from right. that standpoint. Right. You know, and quite successful at that. He was successful at kind of gaining support. He was really good. And again, getting to that kind of millennial thing, get a lot of people's attention, <laughs> get a lot of people behind you, but does it get results? And that's <laughs> that's gonna be the question. Now, not only was he a quartermaster. Oh, but he was a quartermaster for one of the most successful pirates okay. of his day, which was Charles Vane. Now, Charles Vane had uh, his ship was the Ranger. And with Charles Vane, we actually don't necessarily even know what his Jolly Roger was. We don't know what his pirate flag was. Yeah. But we do know that he uh, had this tendency of flying both a black and the English flag. So just like a standard black flag as well as the English colors as well. Right. And you know, a lot of times they would keep different flags around so they can kind of sneak around if they needed to. And yeah, you know, if they need to pose as this or that and avoid to suspicion. Report. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, their area of operation was actually right outside of New York. Okay. And so they were uh, constantly going on and, and, uh, and, you know, collecting some prizes there, but they still operated in and out of Nassau as well. This is the pirate capital, the the Republic of Bahamas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This was the hub through which piracy kind of found its mm-hmm. centralized location. While Calico Jack was very much kind of a popular individual who's, like I said, more of like a pirate politician to some extent you could make an argument for, Charles Vane was like a pirate's pirate. He was kind of the, you know, the figurehead of when people looked to like what a pirate should be, they thought of you know they thought of Edward Thatch, Blackbeard, and they thought of Charles Vane. Like they, right. they thought of these individuals, uh, you know uh, Henry Avery. If you're kind of even looking further beyond or before the the Golden Age. Okay. So he's he's with a rock star, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Everything's going well until you know, like I said, we're starting to enter into the kind of the the zenith of the pirates. And, you know, you got the the civilized world is like, hey, they keep on stealing our stuff. We probably need to do something about that. Right. You got this boy, Woods Rogers. Okay. Rogers is like, hey, I got a cool idea. You know, like, hear me out. What if I go to the pirates? Hear me out. I tell them that they don't have to be arrested or hung. Hear me out. I tell them <laughs> that all they have to do is give up piracy. Hear me out. And then we just take over Nassau because they just give it to us. <laughs> and everybody's like, that sounds crazy. But here's the crazy thing. It worked. And wow, Woods Rogers, Wood Rogers goes into Nassau. He's like, hey, I'm going to give you all all pardons. We're going to pardon every single pirate. All you got to do is come up here, sign a little piece of paper, which we know is definitely going to keep you from piracy. And, you know, fresh, get, clean slate, clean slate. Right. And you got to think about that. A lot of pirates, they're like, man, you know what? We've been living on the run for a couple of years. We thought it would sound cool, but this is like hard labor at sea. Yeah, we're making more than if we were like working for the Navy or everything else. But it's always with fear that I might be hung, captured, yeah, die. Sure. You know, it's pretty. It's just like a kind of a golden parachute kind of thing. It's yeah. a, it is a risky business type deal, and so yeah, exactly. Having this kind of like way out of like 
oh, now I get to like roll in town. You know, I was actually a pirate. You know, the ladies like to hear that. But at the same time, it's like, but I'm like a stable dude now. You know, that's, that's, uh, it, I've got a checkered past, but now I've got like a, you know, 401k. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So a lot of pirates, you know, they're like, hey, we're, we're going to do this. Not Charles Vane. Charles Vane is like, what are y'all talking about? We're freaking pirates. We're not going to go sign up. Make and a like, deal with the government. Like basically. literally let the government right. come in here, set up himself as the governor, give us all like what? You can live free? No, I would rather, you know, I'd rather die as a man than, than live as a dog. So right. we right. ain't doing that. And, you know, to his credit, Rackham was like, hey, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. We're, we're going to do this. And so they bring, there's kind of a split that occurs on Nassau. You have kind of the pirates that are with Charles Vane that are like, we are not ever going to sign pardons. We're going to do, you know, we're going to ride, ride or die. We're pirates. They actually fire upon Woods Rogers, who's coming at them with, their, with his pardons. Remember, he's not coming to attack. He's coming with a, an olive branch. Woods, right. They tell him where he can stick that olive branch. <laughs> not only that. They also do this maneuver called a fire ship. You ever heard of that? No. Uh. Okay, so a fired ship. Famously, Charles Vane took one of his schooners, lit it on fire, and just like sent it out to sea directly at Woods Rogers' fleet. Almost like as a projectile. Yeah, as a like projectile. As a missile. Wow. And this was kind of their way of getting past him because they'd already fired on him, and it was a whole thing. Woods Rogers, by the way, at this point, not a big fan of Charles Vane. Like, yeah, just, I can imagine. Yeah. So, you know, this this event happens. It's it's recorded in history. Now, granted, it doesn't actually do any damage to the fleet, but it does allow them to get away. To get through. And yeah. so they go out and they, uh, you know, they, they, they have a ball. They continue their, their pirating adventures just without the support of the, the pirate public in, in Nassau. All of this to say, I've just told you a really, like, quote unquote, harrowing story of Charles Vane, a BA pirate amongst pirates who led a pirate rebellion and told the government where they could go. Right. Jack Rackham's just kind of there. You know what I mean? Like, like he's just kind of there while all this is happening. He's, he's a quartermaster. He's, he's a quartermaster. Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay that, but like, like the, 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 he's not the main character. The protagonist here is Charles Vane. Right. And Jack Rackham's kind of there. Okay. So that happens. They're going about their business and everything uh, until one day in uh, around November of 1718. This is just four months after that whole big stunt, and they're they've been out on their own. They come across one of the biggest prizes they that they've run you know along since they've been going out hunting on their own. This big uh, ship. It's got you know again uh, tobacco. You're talking rum. You're talking sugar. We assume gold on this as well. Like it's it's a big prize, and Vane's men are hungry. Okay, they want to get a prize. They yeah. want to like. You know, we're pirates. We got to get out there. Where, where's wanna, the loot? Yeah. The bloodthirsty. They want the, They want this fight. They want this loot. Charles Vane is also, aside from the fact that he's a BA dude, he's also a strategist in his own right. And he's looking at this ship. He's looking at his crew and he's like, yeah, that's a big prize, but they've got more guns than we do. Mm -hmm. If we go, we will die. This is kind of an unpopular decision because they're like, I mean, Charles Vane, you just went up against Woods Rogers. Like, what do you mean? Like, but he's trying to make a prudent decision to, to save people. I exactly. Guess, right. So the crew's upset. He wants to, you know, they, they want to go in guns of blame. He's like, I'm trying to save y'all's lives. And they're like, well, I mean, we don't want you to do that. And so a mutiny occurs where it's decided that Jack will take over as captaincy. Yeah. And uh, Charles Vane, again, pirate amongst pirates, led the pirate rebellion, is sent off on his own ship with his supporters. They didn't like kill him or anything like that. They, wow. they let him yeah. go. Yeah. And he goes off unto, if I'm not mistaken, although we probably need to do an exploration of him at some point, I think a pretty healthy retirement somewhere. Okay. And I think I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And so maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I think if I'm remembering correctly, that Vane actually eventually does take the pardon, ironically. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? <laughs> wow. So anyway, so Vane is sent off. And, and now- Calico Jack has kind of usurped his power. Calico Jack has- <laughs> Taken his crew. Taken the boat, taken the crew. He's got it all. Man, this is a big moment, right? Like millennial just got that executive level position, right? Okay. He just got the <laughs> corner office, right? Now here's the thing. While he was really good at making people like him, he was not very good at practically anything else. Right. Okay. And I, you know, like this is just the case. Like, yeah, they go off, they maybe take a prize here and there, but nothing like they're like living on scraps to some extent. Right. Until finally one day they come across what appears to be a pretty big prize. And again, crew's ready to go. They want to take this thing. A um, bit of a problem is that this particular ship is, how do you say, like right off the coast of this large port town. And Jack has this great idea that they're going to go in, they're going to sneak in, and they're going to steal the ship that's parked in front of a town. Now, the problem with stealing a, t a ship in front of an entire town 
is that people watch you steal the ship and everybody knows who done it. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, and not only that, but they've got their ships right there ready to go and like crews ready to go and hunt you down. Like they've got literally all the information. They got you red handed. And on top of that, they've got you like visual for miles and they can get you. Yeah. Right. One of the biggest prizes, this, this uh, ship that that he's able to take and you know, his crew is like really, really happy. Immediately the governor of said town puts out a hit and hires pirate hunters to go and look for Calico Jack and get their ship back. That's exactly what happens. In like a few weeks time, even they get hunt down. It is a question as to whether or not Jack just like bailed off the ship. Right. And like his crew just hid out in the woods while they like took it back. Like, oh no, no, coming down. We don't want to fight. You know, like we don't know exactly what the situation was. <laughs> There's also, you know, one report that Jack and his crew had gone to shore and were drunk on the beach. And when they woke up, it was like, dude, where's my ship? I kind of like that interpretation a little bit more personally. Honestly, that that sounds a little like uh, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was a it was a bad situation. It was poorly executed. The shit the, the the prize goes back. the The crew is pretty much disheartened with Calico Jack as a as a pirate. They're like, you know what? Hey guys, let's just go back for the pardon. Like, why? What? What are we doing? We don't know what we're doing. Like, right. let's just quit. Right. One major failure calls it quits. Millennial pirate, right? Like, like <laughs> I'm just—I think I've had enough. Like, all right, do you have any dinner? <laughs> so they uh, they go back, and, and this is kind of tricky business. All right, so like, while of course Calico Jack was not necessarily the captain, this is the crew of the notorious pirate Charles Vane, and they have to go to Woods Rogers to get a pardon. And as you may recall, Woods Rogers is not really a fan of Charles Vane, right? As you can imagine, this would probably extend to his crew, right? But again, Jack's a politician, right? Like he's kind of a pirate politician. So he goes to to Woods Rogers. He seeks an audience with him. And he basically says, hey, listen, you hate Charles Vane, right? I hate him too. He made us do all this crazy stuff to you. We didn't want to do that. Like, let's be buddies. We wanted the pardon. Clearly we wanted the pardon. We're here. We wouldn't be here if we didn't want the pardon. Clearly Charles Vane made us do it. So maybe like as the most revenge you could ever do to Charles Vane, you give us all pardons. And here's the crazy thing. It worked. It worked. It worked. They all got pardons. They all got to go and live happy lives ever after. Until. <laughs> now, you know, in all of these stories, especially as we're talking about some of these men, there's always kind of a pivotal moment in their life. And you know that moment. You know when she comes along. <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned, this is uh, what, 1719. Jack has been pardoned and he's able to kind of go about his business, Right. Well, along comes a lady. And let me tell you about this lady. All right. Much like one, at least one very uh, prominent millennial who's sitting here, he's out punting his coverage. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Like both millennials that are sitting yeah. here, he out punts yeah, his yeah. coverage yeah. He, hard he, he, here. He, he, yeah. No, that's right. He meets this fine redheaded lady. All right. We're talking Anne Bonnie. Oh, yeah. Anne Bonnie. Now, here's the little problem with Anne Bonnie. She's actually married. She's married to John Bonnie. Now, John Bonnie is what we call in modern terms a snitch. All right. Oh, he a snitch. So he used to be a pirate, but he actually rats out pirates to the government, to to Rogers and such. And Anne Bonnie, she has a thing for the bad boys. She's not liking this snitch situation. Yeah. She's kind of sick with her husband. Right. She has no respect for him. She's like, I mean, like, why aren't you a real pirate? Like, I want to I want a real pirate. Right. Like, you're not a real pirate. You're over here snitching out real pirates. Then, all of a sudden, who walks in? Calico Jack. One of the most dashing. Dashing. Look at him in his calico and everything else. And on top of that, <laughs> you used to sail with Charles Vane. Tell me about Charles Vane. You know, so anyway, so she like, they fall awesome. for awesome. each other. You know, they're like, okay, you know what? Let's let's make this a thing. Let's, let's make it legal. Uh, you break it off with your husband. You marry me. That's cool. So they go to John. Uh, not John Rackham, but John Bonney. And they're like, hey- um, she's like, I don't love you anymore. Can I get a divorce? And he's like, oh no, I, I actually, I don't want to get a divorce. Uh, I don't really care if you love me or not. It's what the 17, early 1700s. Who cares if you love me? It's, it's right. That, not, we're not doing that. Right. We're not getting a divorce. So Jack is like, uh, so Jack Rackham is like, Hey, I got an idea. Hey, John, um, as you just mentioned, it's the early 1700s, right? How about I buy her from you? Uh, is that, uh, <laughs> is that an option? Really? Yeah. Wow. So John is like, um, yeah, interesting. It, it is the early 1700s. So this is just a conversation that we're clearly having. Um, but no, I don't want to buy her. Have you seen her? I think I'm going to stick with my wife here. Thank you very much. So 
John, uh, so Jack Rackham and Anne Bonny are now stuck in this situation. They're in love and they want to be together, but they can't be together because the law won't allow it. Well, funny enough, old Jack Rackham has a way of getting around the law and it's called being a fucking pirate. <laughs> <laughs> And on top of that, what, 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 what pirates care about, care about the law. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And on top of that, this is like Ambonnie's like super fantasy on top of this, right? right. Like she is all about that pirate Dashing life. bad boy comes and, you know, steals me away from, you know, this, uh, terrible, you know, abusive husband, like, like, right. this, all, all, you know, all off the stage. And on top of that too, this guy who was supposed to be like this pirate swashbuckler, who's a a snitch, you know, like it. So they go off, they, they form a crew. That's hilarious. They head off on their own. And now we see kind of the return of, uh, uh, Jack Rackham on the seven seas as a pirate. Now, Anne Bonnie is notable for a number of reasons. For one thing, we don't have that many female pirates in history. Yeah. And sure. all the female pirates that we have all find their way on Jack Rackham's ship. Uh, in fact, you know, for example, uh, Ambani is really notorious not just for being a you know a, a female pirate, but also one who's exceptionally good. Uh, yeah, being the wife of an abusive husband kind of toughened her up in kind of a ways that she was ready to unleash some rage when it came to you know swords and pistols. Mm-hmm. So she was quite the fighter. On top of that, she was also something of a cunning tactician, like finding different ways to kind of mess with their enemies. Uh, there's one story that you know if we do in the future a, a deep dive into Ambani, which I think we should. Uh, there's one story where she actually used kind of like like literal straw men as a way to kind of like create a narrative for their enemies to be able to to get them to retreat, you know, and out wow. of the situation. So she was like decoys. Right? Yeah, she yeah. was she was really big on like thinking outside the box because you know she was kind of coming into that pirate life in a very different kind of way. Yeah, sure. What an interesting character in her own right. And, you know? Well, that's exactly my yeah. point. Again, this is somebody who, especially for the day and age, far more notorious than Jack Rackham than right. than, than Calico Jack. So now he's he's married above his pay grade. You know, he was working for a much better a much better pirate. <laughs> he's married to a much better pirate. They're off on the seven seas. Everything's going fine. And Bonnie, you know, she's a little uh she's out here, right? She's out here. And there's this this young new pirate named Mark. Uh-oh. Mark Reed. Okay. And uh, the affections of the heart. Well, Calico Jack can be a bit of a jealous man. He sees Ambani spending some of this time with Mark Reed. He's like, you know, I, I didn't even want to hire Mark. I didn't want to bring him on my crew. And then Anne starts like, like vetting for him. And now she's like spending all this time with him. And like, what's going on here? And so finally, it's getting like it's about to come to blows. And so he's like, Anne, like, what, what is up with Mark? I am going to throw Mark off the side of the. He's about to get marked. I'm going to throw him off the side of this. <laughs> this ship is what I'm about to do. And then Anne is like, okay, you need to know something about Mark. Mark is not a dude. Mark is named Mary. Mary Reed. Whoa. Mary Reed famously hid her gender so that she could be a pirate without being a female on a pirate ship. No way. Which is probably one of the main reasons when she heard about Anne Bonnie, she was drawn to join the crew of Captain Jack Rackham, right? Yeah. Again, it's really fascinating, but we have on Jack Rackham's ship- That's incredible. Two- Two like, women. Wait, not just two women, but the two most prominent, famous pirate uh, females of all time- Wow. On this ship. Like, again- these two women are far more fascinating than Jack Rackham himself, much like <laughs> Charles Vane that came before them, right? Like Much like our wives are in relation to ours. Exactly. Uh, to they had to overcome <laughs> adversity. And again, in the form of Anne Bonny in particular, yeah. just a like, a like a fighter, like fierce through and through. And just Jack's kind of there. He's just kind of there, He's man. hanging out. He's got his logo. He's got these women who are like basically carrying him. Again, Millennial pirate. He's got got so, his logo, got his fancy coat, you know, surrounded himself with all the right people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, they're going about their business. They have a very uh, short run, as, as honestly most pirates did in the golden age. Like we we love this kind of like broad fantasy of the golden age of piracy of being like yeah. this grand era and this everything else. But the reality is it was kind of a short amount of time before everything was starting to fall apart. And remember, at this point, the golden age is pretty much over. I mean, Woods Rogers came in. He had already passed out the pardons. Right. It was time for things to kind of come to a close. And the funny thing about pardoning yourself is, uh, or getting your pardon, is you write your name down. We have on record that you said you wouldn't do this, and now you've done this. And on top of that, you were like Charles Vane's dude, right? Yeah. So again, even though Jack himself was not as notorious as perhaps he would have liked, or certainly not as good as he would have liked, he certainly was somebody who was constantly, you know, the eyes of the law was constantly. He was on affiliated him. with the wrong people. Exactly. Yeah. Or the right people, depending on what your, you know, views are yeah. from that standpoint. But regardless, yeah. 
they uh, they put a hit out on him, and eventually he was captured at what has now become known as Rackham's K. Hmm. This uh, is where uh, in 1720 his crew was subdued and captured. Famously, and Bonnie and Mary Reed as well. We they went out fighting. They were still captured, but they were fighting their way through. However, Jack Rackham turned himself in with little to no resistance. Wow. Yeah, just, Interesting. Just completely went in. When it comes time for their trial, as you know, pirates don't uh, exactly meet a happy end for the most part. Right. But when it came for the towel, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed had a little bit of a benefit, had a bun in the oven. So funny oh. thing, they can't execute you if you're pregnant. Right. A little bit of a technicality they never really considered because, there, again, there weren't as many known female pirates at the time. Yeah. Not to sure. say there weren't, there just weren't as many known. So when it came time for them to be tried and they were going to be hanged, Anne was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And by the way, if you try to hang me again, I can guarantee you right now I'm going to be pregnant before you try to hang me again. <laughs> so you best let me go. Funny enough, it worked. And she actually was able to get off pretty much scot-free, lived several years, several more decades and retired somewhere on That's the beach. Wow. Their child, one presumes at that point, Jack Rackham's child, went on to be born. Somebody somewhere has the DNA of Anne Bonnie and Calico Jack Rackham, which I think is fantastic. I, I like. I would love to know that is amazing. the history there. But regardless, so she's <laughs> able to go. Jack Rackham, unfortunately, because he's not pregnant he's a dude so he is like he doesn't he doesn't exactly have that uh, that way to get out of this situation he's chilling out in prison famously and bonnie comes to see him one last time jack finally seeing her you know in his moment of deep despair looking up seeing this gorgeous red-headed wife the, the right the love of his life who he has you know returned to piracy for thinking that she is there to comfort him in his moment of solace but she of course famously says to him had you fought like a man you need not have hanged like a dog. Wow. Cold. Ice. Turn the Cold. knife, man. Yes, sir. That's incredible. He hung until he was dead, uh, 1720, November 18. He was wow. 37 years old. 37. Yeah. So Jack Rackham, as I said, what's most fascinating about him is not his skills as a pirate at all, but the company that he kept. He was connected with, again, Charles Vane, one of the most successful pirates of the era, like celebrated a pirate amongst pirates as because of his association with Charles Vane, he was part of this pirate rebellion of, right. in, in this kind of history moment. He refused the pardon. He took the pardon. He refused the pardon again. <laughs> he goes off and he marries one of the most notorious pirates of the day and Anne Bonny, right? right. Somebody who is still today, just like a, a, a fixture in, in inspiration for, for pirate lore. Pirate and lore. Else. Yeah. And on of top of that, because of not Jack freaking Rackham, but because Anne Bonny was there, you have Mark, AKA Mary Reed who comes along and we have these two female pirates on this ship. So here's the thing about Calico Jack. We paint like him in this, this interesting place because of all of the company he kept. Right. But when you really take a step back and look at him, he just kind of failed forward. He was not a skilled pirate. I remember the first time looking into this character because I associate him with Johnny Depp's character of Captain Jack Sparrow. You know, they, they have that whole thing. That must be the worst pirate I ever see. And then you take a look at him. He's like, that's got to be the best pirate I've ever seen. <laughs> and you think maybe that's going to be the case for Calico Jack. And right. it's not. That's got to be the worst pirate I've ever seen. Like, he's just not that good from that standpoint. On top of that, and perhaps because of the association that we have with the Jack name, because of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, when you see Calico Jack appear in popular media, I'm thinking specifically of Star's Black Sail series. He's one of the most... He's, your favorite character. He's like charismatic. He's awesome. You right. see that kind of pirate politician kind of thing at play. And you also see his failure play out, but you're rooting for him in a way that I don't think you would root for the historical. No, Jack exactly. Rackham. Right. Another version that I think is notable in popular media, because he is the one that we see smoking a pipe quite frequently is from the Assassin's Creed's game with black flags where Calico Jack is just kind of a drunk and he's just kind of slovenly all over the place and honestly, probably closest to the, the the historical, the accurate one, except for the fact that I would say based on his history, I, I think they probably overdo it a little bit too much in that game in, in terms of him as a failure. Theatrical a, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think somewhere in the midst of all of these fictional interpretations touches who the real Calico Jack was. And as I mentioned, what I find most fascinating about all of this is that Am Bonnie survived with their child in tow. And that I like to think that somewhere, someone some, out there today, someone out there today has the DNA that connects them with Anne Bonnie and Calico Jack Rackham. And oh, I just think that's fascinating. Lee, that's wild. 
So yeah, Calico Jack, dude. Man. Calico Jack, what a wonderful. I mean, you know, it fascinating, certainly fascinating story about one of the most famous, if not accomplished, but certainly dramatic pirates in history. Man, that is that's wonderful, man. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. You know, I, I, um, I'll i put this little uh, additional piece in here as well. So, you know, I, I think I mentioned on a previous episode, we were, uh, I, uh, Mark V actually wrote in and, and kind of made mention of my ca- uh, Captain Jorvik yeah. uh, fictional character and yeah. that sort of thing. Um, and I mentioned like in that, in that series that I'm kind of still trying to figure out how to get out of my head. Um, there's a, there's a precursor to uh, the Jorvik story that takes place 300 years before. And it's all around this concept of a pirate civil war. And it's between these two captains, Captain Rack and Captain Shea. And Rack is loosely based, as the name implies, um, off of Captain Jack Rack. Yeah, yeah. But a very different uh, version of the character. He's, he's also kind of starving and he's desperate. And so he goes and he kind of gets high on opium and he gets this vision of <laughs> a pirate ruler. And he believes himself to be the pirate king. He wants to unify the five seas and become uh, kind of this new pirate king. And so you have Shea, who... Uh, is kind of uh, competing, competing against him. Shea is the protege of a pirate captain, the most successful pirate captain of that age, Blackstone. And Blackstone has a daughter named Stella, Stella Blackstone, who is highly based off of Anne Bonny. Mm. Uh, and so, like, mm. there's a, there's anyway, there, there's a lot of these characters find there's you know touch points and inspirations that I have found that really fuel my imagination. Right. And it's one of the reasons I love talking about pirates specifically is because it's just such great fodder to like like spark yeah. the imagination of that sort of thing man so. it's a, it's amazing yeah man i i i um so I, i've got a, a very small amount to contribute to this you, you've done such a good <laughs> you've done such you've done such a good job at uh man just giving us the uh the overview of this uh half bowl history yes yeah. and it's it's so cool when in in preparation for this you had kind of in passing told me like you know this is one of the episodes that you kind of quarterbacked and you were kind of telling me 30,000 foot view. Hey, this is, you know, kind of the idea. This is the character and the individual. And I, you know, I'd like to explore him a little bit, his connection to, uh, you know, pirating pipe tobacco, but also just his dramatic character and and all that. And you kind of briefly went into some of the history of him just to inform me of kind of what was coming. And you happen to say in passing, you happen to mention Anne Bonnie's name in passing. And uh, said, you know, it's a super interesting character in her own right. We'll discuss her some, but she really deserves her own episode, blah, blah, blah. And and I just thought that was interesting. But then after our conversation, I, I thought to myself, how do I know that name? Because huh, yeah. I'm not a pirate guy. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know. Yeah, this I'm, isn't your world. It's, it's not my wheelhouse, yeah, yeah. right? I'm not a pirate guy. I'm not a comic book guy. Which is fun. I get to be like the educated Yeah, no, ex- exactly. Happy, yeah. So I said, you know, how do I know that name? And I, I've got something I want you to see. Okay. All right. What you got? What you got? You're holding, uh, oh, you know what? I think So John David has just uh, handed me a rubber stamp that says Anne Bonnie. Now, I recognize stamps like this. These are similar stamps that are used as the country squire to actually stamp pipe tobacco. So we have so much memorabilia in, in our shop because our shop is, you know, ancient. And we have this huge bag of retired pipe tobacco stamps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, these are t- pipe tobaccos that we don't make anymore for whatever reason. Maybe they weren't popular. Maybe the ingredients were retired, whatever. And I remember seeing the name Ann Bonnie on one of those stamps. Dude. And what you're holding right now is a retired pipe tobacco stamp. And the pipe tobacco <laughs> was called Ann Bonnie. How and about so at, that? at some point in the, in the history of the country squire, there yeah. was a pipe tobacco named and Bonnie. Do you know anything about the blend? No clue. No, oh no, no, no clue at all. Like no, no clue. But I knew I remembered that because I didn't, you know, it was just such an interesting name. And I was like, who is that? I didn't know if it was someone's cousin. Or, and so at some point in the Country Squires history, we had a pipe tobacco named Ann Bonnie. That was the stamp that we labeled each bag with, just like we label them with our current stamps of, you know, Cherokee and, you know, Choctaw and Baker Street and Green Dragon and everything else today. Uh, so this rubber stamp, honestly, is very old. It's it, there's a good chance that rubber stamp is older than you or me. That's fascinating. And man. uh but wow. but at some point someone who worked at the Country Squire thought they should have a, a tobacco uh, named after Ann Bonnie and that's the uh that's the stamp. Man, that is so cool. And I yeah, I'm going to try to find out more information about it, but I don't, you know, I don't know what it to, could be found, honestly, but that, that's what All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. A part of the the these uh, uh legendary uh, legends of pipe dreaming leaf people who <laughs> 
half bold <laughs> that, that we uh, that we discuss over a half a bowl of pipe tobacco. One of the great things about this is we we cover lots, right? We it's it's, it's uh, you know we've got some great individuals that we're going to be talking about in the future, and even when we return to pirates, and Bonnie will be somebody that we cover again in a future episode. Yeah, and I want to kind of put it out to the listeners. If you ever like have any memory of the Ambani pipe tobacco from the Country Squire, if anybody can unearth anything that's out there and like There's let us challenge. know, yeah, that would be like we just found a buried treasure in the history of the Country Squire. Yeah, this is I, I want to put what it a out cool to dovetail. <laughs> It'd be amazing if we could find that and figure out how to piece that back together. Like let's that that's like. It might be it might be terrible, but it might crazy? be amazing. <laughs> no, it's all and and if and if we can't find any information about it, well, maybe there should be another Anne Bonnie blend. That's you know, isn't that mm, awesome? That's exciting, man. That if, is so. If, cool. if I, if I do, you just travel with these? No, no. Well, how did you have this on you? Because we I, before I left Jackson, I we had this conversation. Oh, this was before. Okay, I thought you before meant like before I, I, before okay. I left Jackson to come on this recording retreat. I we had this conversation. You had mentioned Anne Bonnie in passing, discussing this episode. And I was like, you know, let me let me dig around. Hold on. I know that name. That's I found crazy. the stamp. I brought the stamp to yeah. Miami. I wanted to surprise you with it on air. So, Man. And frankly, if I didn't think we might come out with the Ann Bonnie blend in the future, I'd probably give it to you. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I think I think that has to happen, man. I think that has to Isn't happen. Isn't that cool? That's, ex- that's that's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. What a what a great treat. Like nice little cherry on top. And man, speaking of a cherry on top, uh, you know, when I think of a cherry on top, I think of something really special. Like something special that happens every Tuesday right now, and that's Cobb Tuesday from our friends at Missouri Meerschaum. That is right. Go to their Facebook page this week on Cobb Tuesday, and they're going to have a fun trivia question that they'd like you to engage with and answer. They're going to pick a winner the next day, and that winner will get a gift certificate to Missouri Meerschaum's uh, web store. So go check it out, Facebook and uh, and. And, and make sure you go and like and subscribe, follow all their social media stuff. But of course, the folks at Missouri Meerschaum uh, want you to participate and be a part of their community. And we appreciate them, of course, for letting us be a part of their family. All right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pipe question of the week. Pipe question of the week this week coming in from E, who says... Hi, I love listening to your podcast, discovered it recently, and it has been great. I had a question about blends like Early Morning Pipe. I like this blend, but ultimately feel it would be better without the Latakia. I don't mind a bit here and there, but am not a massive fan of Latakia. I read somewhere that the blend used to be done without the Latakia by Dunhill sometime, uh, sometime a while ago. I don't know why they changed it, but it's left me craving the nice, sweet, smooth flavors without that bit of smokiness. Would you be able to point me in the direction of something like EMP, Early Morning Pipe, without Latakia? Or failing that, if I was to try and mix it myself, what type of Virginia would I need with Oriental Leaf? Keep up the amazing work. Love the resource. E. Yeah, you know, I stumbled upon a tobacco I hadn't tried in a while in doing research for another episode. And I would I would recommend it to you. So, you know, that that whole concept of, you know, we've got this early morning pipe, it's Virginia heavy, you've got Orientals, but then the the essence of Latakia, which is not super heavy, but if in the Latakia is not your thing, it's just, you know, not gonna not gonna be what you want. And so a tobacco you may want to try is from our, our friend GLPs, of course, one of the greatest tobacco blenders in the world. He makes a tobacco called Embarcadero. Embarcadero. Oh, wow. It's a Virginia with Izmir and it's a flake. And I would, I haven't had it in a while. 
Uh, but I would try it. I would give that a whirl and see uh, if that kind of scratches your itch for something that uh, has that type of complexity, you know, flavor profile, but, you know, lacks that Latakia smokiness. So, um, yeah, give it a whirl. I hope that's, uh, hope that's helpful to you. Well, there you go, Ian. Uh, great question. If you've got another pipe question of the week for us, be sure to send it in. That is show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. All right, man. Listener feedback coming in. Scott McCrate. It's a cool name. Yeah, it is. McCrate. It's like, get McCrate on this. Oh, there's a shipping issue. We need McCrate on this. He's <laughs> like a hardcore, like, special agent logistics. dealing in shipping. Yeah. Logi- special agent in logistics. <laughs> That's right. It says, I love the Jacques Cousteau episode. I was really hooked. On his television show as a kid. I don't know if that's a pun or not, but that's fantastic if it is. I have to say, you missed one of the best jokes and clues in The Life Aquatic. Cousteau's vessel was the Calypso. In The Life Aquatic, it was the Belafonte. Harry Belafonte was a Calypso singer. Ah, oh, that's well, good. That's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he loves The Life Aquatic. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great movie. You know, the one of the things I really loved about the Jacques Cousteau episode is it gave an excuse to go back and revisit The Life Aquatic, which we had originally kind of visited with our uh, Wes Anderson kind of look at how he yeah. used pipes and everything. So yeah. that was fun. Really enjoyed that. Uh, thanks, Scott. Also, we got one in from Watson. It's elementary, my dear. No, all right, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bo and John David, I want you to know how much I really enjoy the show and your dynamic as co-hosts. I think you two could talk about almost anything, and we do, <laughs> and it would be uh, listenable uh, based solely on your personalities. As a heavy-accented Southerner, <laughs> Poor guy. I also appreciate listening to kindred voices speaking with so much knowledge on a subject. Uh, The reason I'm contacting you is to recommend someone for the segment formerly known as Hero of the Bowl, which we did today as a half bowl history. Yeah, legendary pipe dreaming bowl of half pipe. Of of half pipe, right. (laughs) (laughs) He goes on to say, uh, one of the biggest champions of the briar for me has always been Aldo Leopold. He's considered the father of wildlife ecology and was an accomplished writer. He was often photographed with a pipe, and they were a constant companion of his while working in the field. Among his many accomplishments is the conceptualization of a land ethic, which calls for ethical and sustainable use of natural resources. His most popular book, A Sand County Almanac, is a classic and among the first texts those of us studying wildlife and conservation read in college. What an interesting character. Yes. Um, it is certainly worth spending some time reading this book outdoors with a nice billiard early in the morning, quite possibly the very situation in which it was written. Uh, I recommend it as a text that many of your listeners may find interesting, and I think they would appreciate learning more about Aldo Leopold himself. Thank you for so many great hours of content. You too, and Brian over at Pipes Magazine Radio Show, have unknowingly spent many hours on the road with me as I commute. My car's interior has assumed the scent of your Cherokee blend. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> Keep up the solid work on all fronts. And that's uh, it's cheers from Watson. And what a wonderful uh, note, but uh, also recommendation. That's yeah. so fat. You know, this is, again, just something that is not in our, we would not naturally bump up against this kind of content exactly, in yeah. any universe. But now we're aware because Watson has, has been gracious enough to share this. And I can't wait to to research Man, Aldo uh, Aldo Leopold, and and that uh, it almost sounds like a like a Wendell Berry type or something. You know, it's <laughs> right, really yeah. really neat. Yeah, look, well, almost look, like the Jacques Cousteau of the land. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's great. I really look forward to that. So, Watson, thank you. And man, uh, again, let's see. He mentioned a uh, his most popular book, a Sand County Almanac. So, you know, this is what I I really love about this series is that aside from kind of sending in name recommendations, we've got so many different people who are like, hey, you got you know talk about this this guy, this guy, this guy, and that's and that's the thing. There there are a lot of people that we also want to talk about, but like I really I, I like the challenge. I like I like being exposed to some of these folks that we might not otherwise be yeah. aware of, and even like spending the time researching them. Now, some of them, whether or not we do them, is going to depend on like what's the story? You know what I mean? Like, cause like, sure. it, like looking for the story. Cause I think one of the things I enjoy the most about this series is the storytelling element of it, you know, like, like yeah. kind of writing through their history and, and kind of, you know, looking at it and, and placing it in time and that sort of thing, as opposed to just kind of presenting facts and, and that sort of thing. So 
Um, all that to say, sounds like a fascinating study. I really look forward to looking into them. I agree. Yeah. Along with many that people have sent in that have not been read on the show. I just want to let people know. We've got a lot of people who have recommended some uh, individuals, some pie smoking individuals who will probably find their way in the series in the future. So, all right, man. Well, uh, yes, we want to let y'all know if y'all do want to send in that feedback, you can, of course, head over to countrysquareradio.com where you can find our social information such as John David's handle at John David Cole, the shops at underscore Country Squire, or the show at Squire Radio. But all that information and more can be found at countrysquareradio.com. John David. Look at you are speaking you, so fast. Are, well, you know, the, when you're living a life of a pirate, you got to find your ways out there to say what you need to say without getting in the way of what you want to say. <laughs> Let's go have a day. <laughs> So your brother. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.